0: Listener production. Yes, hello and welcome to the Jock and Journo podcast. It is Jay Clark here and we have the Collingwood champ, Scotty Pendlebrick. We're back, Pendles. We are. We survived week one, week two. Watch out. Today's going to be a great show. Today's going to be a great show. We're going to be talking succession plans, your experience through the famous Mick V. Buck's Um wasn't quite as bucks hey? It was just Mick and Buck's succession plan. Well, that's what the headline said. Anyway, Bucks has spoken about that and talked about how awkward and how stressful and how tense it was. So, we're going to get your view on that. i got a strong view as well. We're going to get out some funny captaincy stories. I know you've got a cracker. I was once kicked out of a pub by an AFL captain uh, in my younger days, which is a bit of a laugh. And um, some controversy surrounding the video review system. Um, I don't think think it's controversy, it's common sense, but anyway, we'll get to that, won't we? There's a bit happening. Hey, um, as you said, we're back. We've had some great guests. Can I put in a request for our next guest? Can we do it live now? Yeah, go for it. Can we speak to Braden Maynard? Like, you're... you're uh, yeah, so this is just, Scott, can you please get the next guest? <laughs> I could be able to... I could maybe... I could... That team, he's the wrecking ball with the massive heart, Bruzzy Maynard. And uh, I think he's got one shoulder <laughs> hanging
1: off, but he's had an outstanding season. I love his work at the back, back line. I'll put the text in to him, and we'll see how we go. We can get him. Mind you, you've probably got the biggest guest of all time. You got the, the AFL boss, Gil. Gil McLaughlin. You got him. I did get can him. we learn about his polo... His polo exploits? career. Yeah, yeah.
0: What was your favourite guest moment?
1: Oh... Uh, Oh, there's been, yeah, the, I reckon it's been awesome to have Paddy Cripps, Geordie Dugowie, Gil, as I said, but I think Joel sold at that time. Mm-hmm. Just because there was that incident, it sort of coincided with me and him having a few words and then... You were sledging uh, each other. We were, and then the siren went. It was that really awkward moment, and then <laughs> I think Mark Robertson went with, he got told what happened about the incident. Yep. And then the next day, me and Joel actually spoke about it on this forum yep. and then cleared it up about yep. anything. And then Chris Scott mentioned it, that Joel went on and cleared it all up. And yep. then, yeah, so that was probably the first time I thought in this forum and validated why we do this is yes. because we can bring sort of stories that yes. a lot of people can't get or things like that. Mm-hmm. We can actually clear the air pretty quickly and players felt safe on this platform.
0: I liked it when Geordie said he'd, he'd been offered a million dollars a season over five years from North Melbourne, just casually dropped yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> He said, and then my manager rang me and said, well, man, it's five million over Five years. He said, Oh my goodness. And uh, Paddy Cripps, he talked about staying at Carlton versus going home to Western Australia and why he wanted to take Carlton to the promised land. That was probably five years ago, and maybe they'll get there this season. So Let's hope not. We love Crippen. You've had <laughs> plenty of big battles with him, of course, but we want to talk succession plans. Ken Hinckley re-signed as Port Adelaide coach, and Josh Carr waiting in the wings. Um, not a formal takeover plan, so it's a bit of a TBC arrangement because if Ken Hinckley wins the next two flags, then he might get another extension. But you you were front and centre for that extraordinary um, succession plan Mick House to Nathan Buckley and Nathan Buckley said it created a lot of stress and tension in the football club and probably wasn't that necessary in a formal public sort of sense how did you go
1: Threat that that time. Like had you asked me when it happened, I would just say 2011. Like I don't even remember that it was announced in 2009, mm-hmm. the, the handover. But And I used this analogy earlier. It was like moving out of a house. Like you don't really care until like, oh, I've got a month to go here. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah, got packed the boxes. Like it just <laughs> scrambles. Yeah, so 2011 was obviously we just won a flag. We're trying to go back to back. Yeah, and I think from just a player's point of view, there was a fair bit of stress about things that you don't need when you're trying to go back to back to, to try and win another flag. There's a lot of stress on players about, you know, Mick's coaching as well as he's ever coach. Why are we doing this? I think the biggest thing was the relationship people could see between Mick and Bucks. You know, Mick obviously had the passion to keep going. Mm. Bucks wanted to come in and go. So there's a lot of back of house stuff that, you know, players aren't dumb. You can see these, this tension happening and mm. people aren't happy. And it's just sort of the stuff for us that I, didn't, I don't feel like as players that, mm. Uh, you needed to focus on and worry about, and but as I said, like that our succession plan was two thousand and nine was when it was announced, and then we win the flag twenty ten. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sure whether they could have pushed it back a few years and let Mick, because clearly he was coaching as well as his ever coach. You know, you've just won a flag, got us into a grand final that we yep. didn't win, and I'm not sure if those conversations were had or not about. Well, Pushing Buck, it back yeah, or whatever it was. So Bucks offered said, look, if you want to pull the pin on it, I'm happy to,
0: I'm pretty sure is how he described it. But he said by then relationships had broken down and were unsalvageable, which, you know, is a pretty significant thing. So my question was, was there a bit of a did it feel like there was a bit of a wedge in the playing group? And you would have been cool as a cucumber and sort
1: of pretty neutral throughout the whole thing. But did you feel that divide even a little bit? I was probably like a little bit oblivious. I was twenty two, so and you know, I had career certainty. I think I'd already signed like a four, four or five year deal, mm. so it wasn't as stressful. But I could understand how now being older, if that happened into like at our football club now, you, you, I'd be worried about so many people. Like, mm. what you do know, you mean? Like, the, well, the assistant coaches, the list management, all the stuff I didn't really know about, or mm. the amount of work that the head coach does. So, like from two thousand nine and ten, you know the questions I would have now is like oh who's running this is that Mick or Bucks who's shaping the list who's making all these decisions Mm -hmm. you know Bucks would be I assume would have been in all the meetings not Mick and even that sort of stuff that just hearing it's always it doesn't intend to be that way but it's always Bucks or Mick Bucks or Mick when it probably just shouldn't be that way and yeah yeah, and it's interesting to hear that Bucks offered to push that back and, mm. you know, I'm not sure why that didn't happen because Mick clearly was coaching as well as he'd ever coached. So maybe that could have eased some tension in the room and Hawthorne did try to do a succession plan, didn't work. Yep. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see how Ports goes with TBC, which sounds like a probably a smarter idea than putting a fixed date on it because, as you said, like if Ken Hinckley wins the next few flags, you know, like you already know what the stories are yeah. straight away. So I think it's, it's nice. smarter. As long as Ken and... Josh Carr have a good working relationship and yep. can go through the program together and do a lot of stuff together. I think it's when probably when one guy starts to feel like they're just pushed aside and you just coach on yep. game day and the Monday to Friday is all the other person. Last one's on this. Did you, if in hindsight, what would you have done? What would you have wanted to be
0: done differently? Would you have rather Mick Moldhouse kept the keys because then the Carlton situation came in, they they uh, took him over. So would you preferred him? sort of coached longer in hindsight and do you think it impacted that 2011 premiership because you won it in 2010 and then jumped out of the blocks. So you were flying through the first half yep. of 2011, then a lot of the public
1: stuff started to ratchet up yep. and your form tapered off a little yeah. bit. Well, we, we were all banged up a little bit towards the end of 2011. 11. Jeez, I feel so old saying 2011. <laughs> we won 2010. and mm. Five weeks later, we went to Arizona on a training camp which nowadays you're mandatory 12 weeks off. So we went over there, but you had to get there for the altitude training. No break. So we come back, we we're flying, um, and then we got pretty banged up. Mind you, Like we had an amazing year. We lost three games for the year, yeah, and they like. all happened just to be against the Cats. yeah. Um, and we'll going all right in that grand final until yep. Tomahawks just tore mm-hmm. it apart. So in hindsight, I think the, if they had been a bit more fluid with the situation, so 2009, I think we just lost the prelim by like 70 points or something like that. Yeah, They announced the succession, but then... You know mick goes grand final grand final yeah push it back like bucks are gonna have to wait another two years which sounds like he was cool with he anyway would be
0: cool that i think yeah
1: and then that probably would have just allowed mick the opportunity which you know i sort of feel like he probably deserved mm. is to coach that group through um you know lost the grand final can he get us back to that mountain make a few tweaks yeah. bucks was the assistant coach anyway there so they can work through those tweaks together mm. And then away we go. And I think for the playing group too, it would have shown that these guys are willing to do what's best for the playing group. He was a force at the time, Mickey. He was at, the, at his absolute peak. I
0: remember him yeah. going on the footy show and said, I just can't turn off that coaching tap. And that's when Carlton came in the
1: offer and he went to Carlton. That wasn't as successful. But 2010- well, it's not surprising that he got someone approached him. Like he's a premiership coach, grand final coach. Then he's Four. out of a job in 2012. Yeah, Not out of a job because he was supposed to stick around and help, but he's... You've got that passion. Yeah. Sort of like once a coach, always a coach, I see it. And you have what, – what was it like playing under Mick Moldhouse back in the day? Scary. Prime? Scary. I remember one day he threatened to cut my hands off at halftime. Be kidding. We are playing St Kilda and I handball a lot. And he, I think I had like, say, three kicks and 15 handballs at halftime. So I thought <laughs> I was going all right. And he – where's Scott Penry And he come in and he goes, if you keep handballing that ball, I'm going to cut your hands off. <laughs> So the next few possessions of the third quarter, I kicked it about eight meters instead of handballing it. So. But, yeah, no, he was scary, but yep. he loved playing for him. Had you back. Super, super motivator. and Yeah, and all the boys. And he always used to, whenever mum and dad were around, he'd always go, oh, have you seen your boy lately much? And mum and dad would be like, oh, no, he hasn't got home. And you would be like, all right, take the next three or four days off, get back to sale. Really? Go spend some time with your mum and dad. So, no, he was an awesome coach. I've been yep. very lucky, like three coaches, three yep. awesome coaches. So. Yep. Yeah, they've all been really good. And Fly, in his own way, doing his own things. I might try and get Fly in too if he's
0: got some time. We can try and have a chat with him. I'll organise that then. Hey,
1: You just tell me who you
0: want. I'll organise it. You do not much else. I'll ask ask, uh, Craig. Hey, um, interesting. Darcy Moore out with a hamstring for the next couple of weeks. You're not only missing Nick Dacos, it's Darcy Moore as well. I wonder whether Jeremy Howe goes back. It's certainly going to be very interesting. It means the the, um, Collingwood captaincy armband gets handed over to either... Tay... uh,
1: Howie or Bruzzy. Or Bruzzy? So. Yeah, so I'm not sure they, if they might, I don't know this, but they might rotate it mm. sort of Over for the, the next, next two of weeks. So Howie and Tay and Bruz, so work out who will do that and then, yeah, but Darcy was at training yesterday running laps and doing some mm. strides and stuff, so it was awesome. So I didn't expect him to be out on the track mm. yesterday, so um, yeah, it's good news. Recovery uh, going well. We're going to speak about Nick Dacos, he's in the hyperbaric chamber mm. as he's
0: speaking, uh, drinking a uh, chicken bone broth or something yeah, like that, bone broth. some, some yeah, yeah. magic potion healing um, stuff to help uh, heal that knee of his. But you, in terms of your Collingwood captains, have you got any funny yeah. stories
1: about something that uh, happened back in the day? I've got a few, but they're sort of hard because it just gets blurred into one. But one was we're then They're all Jordan De related. No, nah, no, nah, there's a, there's a mix. But overarching is the amount of excuses you hear that mm. you just know are just absolute crap. But <laughs> you sort of got to believe it. But yeah, we had one one time. Um, And I was reflecting on it, I was like, I wasn't sure, it might have been one of the dog incidents, you know, we had a few of the dogs, threw the frisbee down the hallway and broke my hand on the door handle or whatever, but I think he was playing cricket instead.
0: Yeah, Howie.
1: Um, Yeah, Howie. So we went to the beach, someone was late for something, did the old St. Kilda Sea at 6am, Monday morning for, just, yeah, I think it might have actually been Howie for the dog incident. Yep. And then... No, it was Geordie. It was Geordie's dog incident or something that he'd done. There's been a couple over the corner Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can So anyway.
0: Why you're a bit confused.
1: Anyway, so 6am we're all there. Yep. Sea bars. Let's get there at 6am. Freezing. Yeah, it's freezing cold, middle of winter. Yep. Howie's there. Everyone's there, no Geordie. Mm, trouble. Howie rings Geordie. Geordie, where are you? Geordie's like, oh, I'm at the club getting ready for training. Where is everyone? Because mm. We're all here, punishment because of you. Freezing. I didn't up. know that was today. So anyway, I just cracked it. And I said, everyone, get in your car. We didn't even jump in the water. Yeah. Just m- mere the fact that you had to get up at 5.30 and get yep. in, cracked it. said, don't worry. We're all just coming back here tomorrow. Right. So everyone's like, oh, not again. Yeah. So the next day, real hard next day, yeah. Geordie's there at like 5.45. He's like, <laughs> no way he's missing it. <laughs> everyone's there. Um, Tyson Goldsack, vice captain. Yeah. Six o'clock. Not there. No Goldie. Irene Goldie. Goldie, where are you? I'm at the club. Oh. I was like, Right, I just like hung up on Goldie. I was like, the vice captain mate, you needed to be here. This is not good. We're not showing solidarity. <laughs> so Wednesday rolls around. Yep. It's, again, we're like we're just going back. Yes. Get there Wednesday morning, everyone's there. We're doing like the knuckle push ups in the water for fifteen minutes to the neck. Oh no. Um so that was a funny one because it was trying to make like a really big stand and then the guy you're trying to make it for is late. Yep. Then one of the leaders is late. You're the captain, so you are like, Oh, I just lost it. I was just like, This is <laughs> this is why we're going so crap at the moment. We can't even turn up in one spot at the same time. So oh, um so yeah, the that, group was flat with you as captain. Yeah, yeah. I, I was stand. trying to make a stand, <laughs> it didn't really work. We probably got belted that weekend anyway. So they that won't. was that was mine. Any you have any captaincy stories that not that enjoyable doing push ups in the freezing cold. No, not on the sand yeah. when it's like wet yeah. under your knuckles. Yeah. And then I have to take it because I'm the captain. So I'm yeah. just, come on, boys, this is awesome. I'm hating it as well. So what about you? Any captaincy stories? Well, are-
0: well, when I started at the Geelong Advertiser as a young buck, I think I was about 22, 23. The Cats had played um, in a win that day. I think it was on a Sunday. And Stephen King was the captain of the time who's ne- – interim coach at Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, carving out a nice coaching career. And I think he was a bit flat with the media at the time because Mark Stevens wrote a back page story for the Herald Sun saying he'd only taken like two contested marks for the season. And so it was like round 16, round 17. So he, he, you know, there was a bit of pressure on his own sort of performance at this time. Anyway, it's midnight at the back of Lambie's on a Sunday night, a joint heaving. And I sort of stumble up to the, I, I work my way up to the back bar and sure enough, A whole Geelong footy (laughs) team there, right, after a win. And I knew a couple of the blokes from school or whatever, so I'm just working my way around the fringes at this point, right, talking to (laughs) a few other boys. Anyway, Kingy has spotted me from across the bar, and I can just sort of feel his eyeballs on me over a couple of minutes, and he's sort of starting to get a bit more agitated. I'm pretending to be pretty relaxed about the situation, and um, sure enough, he starts pointing at me, and he's like, you've got to go. And I'm like, mate, I'm just having a few beers with the boys, let me go, I'm allowed to be at the pub or whatever. (laughs) Sure enough, he then ordered one of the youngest blokes in the team who who I knew about to carry me out of um out of Lammy's nightclub. And there was a set of stairs. So he, he's actually he's picked me, he said, mate, you gotta go. I'm like, oh, gosh, why can't I stay? And he, he's like picked me up and carried me, basically, which <laughs> is pretty embarrassing yeah, for a twenty two year like old. Little baby just getting carried out. Carried out by the and principal. The, and up the stairs a, out of the pub. So um Every time I see King, we do sort of have a bit of a chuckle um, about that. So he's a bit
1: sensitive about his form, obviously.
0: He was a bit sensitive <laughs> at the time, but um, I reckon you'd have a hard time now. That he's I'm a f- big dude, isn't he? He's, he's huge. like six he's seven. A big or something. Or something. Yeah. I was twenty two at the time. Yeah. Now I'm forty. I yeah. reckon if a captain told yeah. me to get out of the pub, Ooh. I'd tell you to get stuffed, Scotty, yeah, to be honest. Go. But how times, how um, times change, mate. Now Nicky Dacos, so he's out for the moment, and he's. Um, Drinking his bone broth, his special chicken soup. He's in the hyperbaric chamber, but uh, things going well. Hopefully back by the preliminary final. What what did you...
1: Yeah, the bone broth, all that sort of stuff to try Mm. and heal heal the bone quicker. But I remember the hyperbaric chambers weren't as advanced as they are now. So we used to go out to this place in Thornbury. Yep. And it would jump in. You have to put like the headpiece on and the the little things over your shoes. like you're almost going in for surgery. Yep. There'd always be these like old guys and girls in there and they'd be playing cards, and you'd sit in there for like 90 minutes. Grandmas so, and grandpas. Yeah, so you're like 21, 22, sitting in there playing card games, getting fleeced <laughs> to the the nth, nth degree, playing all these card games. So, yeah, I think whenever you're injured and stuff like that and you're in a race against time, I remember one time breaking my leg mm. uh, against St Kilda first final. Had surgery that night. Eight days later, I was running on the treadmill. Mm. And then the day before we played Geelong in nine in the prelim, um... I had to box jump off a yeah, probably like a metre high box, jump down, land on a single leg, which was the side of my broken leg, mm. and try and land it. And that was sort of like a fitness test. And I think I was just going to have to keep doing it until I just couldn't tolerate the pain anymore. Did that hurt? Yeah. I was, I, for the first jump, I jumped off and landed on my good leg, tried to f- trick the fitness boss, and he was sort of like, no, nah, no, nah, just land on the other leg. So you just do whatever you can. So, um, yeah, yeah, Nick, I, no doubt Nick will be back. And play a role this this final series. He said he shed a few tears, or his brother said he shed a few tears um, after oh, as the you injury. Would. Yeah, yeah. I think well, everyone get you. You sort of see it, and um, you know, Nick, when he heard the scan. Like anytime you feel like a broken bone, you sort of think probably you know eight to twelve weeks with that, and that and that for him would have been season done. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's a funny one now because broken bones almost a better result than a hamstring tear because it's four to six weeks. You know, mm. you're going to be back. His bone's going to be healed. You find to go whereas hammies and soft tissues are. A bit more intricate than that. Mm, Interesting. Hey, uh, I think we're going to take a quick break.
0: I want to ask you on the back. I want to talk about Harry Mackay and dominant key forwards. Who's going to set the forward fifty alight? Will it be tall's or small's? Because I've got a feeling. I know Charlie Kerno is doing amazing things at the moment, but I think there's a bit of a um, an interesting debate. About yeah. ke- about forwards at the moment and who is having the most impact because you guys have got a bit of a different balance I reckon your forward line compared to some of the other clubs. It is the Jock and Journo show with Jay Clark and Scott Pendlebury. We'll have more coming up shortly. Yes, welcome back to the Jock and Journo show. Jay Clark and Scotty Benry, the champ, six-time All-Australian, five-time best and fairest when he hates this. Norm Smith medal, three-time Anzac Day medalist as well. Hey, Scotty, tools and smalls. Who's going to light up the 450?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting debate. I think holistically in the next, say, 12, 24 months to 10 years, it's yeah. going to be like fascinating way that this will go, whether you go – it's like I know everyone says we don't copy American sports, but we do – Is it like small ball versus like tall ball type thing?
0: Feels like historically been a lot of John Brown's going to dominate the big key forward. I feel like now we're going smaller,
1: do you reckon? Yeah, Yeah, well, I reckon if you look back through the history of finals, Mm. you'd probably be surprised by who would lead the goal-kicking for your club or Mm. whatever. Like, I, yeah, it was like would John O'Brown, like I don't, grand final day, was he always the leading goal-kicker for the Lions or Alistair Lynch or did like, was it Acker or... Sean Hart or someone like that, yep. guys like that. So, yeah, it's an interesting debate. And even, um, yeah, I think Carlton's the one that sort of put this debate on the map with Harry being out and a bit smaller, mobile. Like Charlie Curran is only six three, six four. Like it's not like he's a big power 94. Yeah, like he's only just bigger than me. He's incredibly mobile. Yeah, yeah. So and he's hard to contain in the air as he is on the yeah. ground. His yeah. running power is extraordinary. That's, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And think he gets he... up onto the wings and yep. he's um, inside fifty kickings just. Gone to a new level Like he can just He's such a penetrating kick So yeah it's a Like who's your most Dangerous forward Like I reckon it's For a big chunks This season We don't
0: have one It's Jamie Elliott Yeah but oh, like, I, th-
1: I think It's just dependent on What the matchups look like How the ball's coming in Yeah Um And forwards are They're, they're a byproduct Of how quickly The ball gets in there Like if it's slow And boring You can have you know, the best, you're going to have Gary Albert Sr. playing back there in his heyday and it doesn't really matter. So yeah, that's one of the things with Carlton, their ball movement's change. they're going a lot quicker, they're dominating time in front half and, you know, when Harry was there, I think for the first three weeks when he was there, they averaged 110 points, so Mm. they were pretty lively, pretty potent down there. So yeah, I think he's back this week, so interesting to see the balance, Mm. how it changes, um, whether they go with, you know, him into that second ruck role, drop one of the rucks that they played on the weekend and he's got to do ruck minutes, so... Yeah, it's it's always fascinating whether small or tall, and the matchups and how that works. Richmond were you know twenty seventeen, and they were pretty much a small forward line. That's right. Were they mobile pressure? Yeah. get it in, dominate time in front, half, defend really well. We Just, should keep keep account September and and have a small ball team. And it's the
0: smalls versus the key forwards. to See who piles on the most goals. I'm gonna well, the Geelong smalls. last year though they had Hawkins Cameron. Cameron, but again, he's more Curnow type. Yeah, yeah he's much, mobile. He, he, he picks it up off the ground and snaps yeah, it over his shoulder yeah. half the time as opposed to taking pack marks. Kicks goals from out of bounds. It's unbelievable.
1: <laughs> right, Multiple goals hey, from out of bounds. Let's talk about that. Um,
0: <laughs> I get the feeling you're flat as a biscuit on the um, on the whole sort of video review system at the moment. So that firstly on the two Cameron ones, they're saying, the AFL said one of them was right, one of them was wrong. Did you see the, the close handball to Cameron? Because yeah, you're normally all over there. this stuff.
1: Well, like, right there on that side. And what did you say? Oh, like, well, you can't do anything, can you, after it's happened in terms of, like, so you argue with the – one of the things I'm trying to do is not argue, argue or labour the point as mm. much. I just want to get on because mm. it can affect me for, like, the next 10 minutes. <laughs> so I'm looking for growth in that space. <laughs> but, yeah, I was just sort of like, that was out of bounds. Well, but then, yeah, it's more that, that we can't review it properly. And reflecting on the Matildas game, mm. like, that penalty shootout, she saves it mm. – And they're like, "No, you stepped off your line. Do it again." Yep. It's just like how clean and quick that process was. So the Melbourne Carlton game, like the soft call, yeah, the soft call of the umpire. So every goal is reviewed. Mm. So why don't they make a decision? The goal umpire walks up and just goes, "That's a goal or that's a point." But can we please review that as well? I'm not sure because I don't feel like you can live in the grey area and just be like, "Well, he said I believe it was. I believe it was touched." Yeah. All right. Who touched it? Where did they touch it? Yeah. Because it's sort of like those big pack, oh, surely someone touched it. I think it should just be like you walk up, every goal's reviewed. Mm. Take that time. Because, like, it's fascinating. He said, I think it's a goal. Either way, the evidence wasn't conclusive. No. So he basically, like, flip a coin on his call. Yep. Win or lost Melbourne Carlton. You and that's got big technolo- ramifications on finals. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, and the technology is just, it's like the standard definition. Yeah, it, I couldn't tell, to be honest. Well, I watched it a hundred times. I still wasn't sure yeah. whether he touched it or not. Yeah. Well, Gee- I just I think it's subpar when, like, we're playing for a fair bit in this competition mm. and to have moments like that where it's just like, oh, it's just the rub of the green, you win more than you lose or the AFL ticked it off. Like, of course they're going to tick it off because mm. it's a big issue for them. Mm. So I feel like we need to get the review system, the cameras, everything, HD invest a bit of money, get this like spot on because you don't... like. What happens if that costs Melbourne a top two finish? Huge. The stakes are enormous. The stakes are massive. Yep. And, you, and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. We should have done X, Y, and Z earlier in the game and we wouldn't have been in that situation. Mm. So you yeah, flip a coin, they win a game of football. You don't want that scenario. So I just think we need to be better as an industry. If we're going to bring it in, otherwise get rid of it. If it's substandard, just go back to let the umpire call. Mm. And live and Live and die by that. I'd rather that than have this thing that we go to and it's like, Inconclusive umpires call gray zone, a halfway house, and you <laughs> yeah. compare it to say soccer or tennis with the Hawkeye
0: system like it is extraordinarily accurate. You can tell it is cat's yeah, whisker yeah. stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, that is they've uh, some other sports have set a really high standard in this yeah. regard, and we are probably uh, lacking a little bit. Um, it's fair to say,
1: yeah. Well, so even sometimes in soccer, like you can score a goal and then. Two minutes later, like no goals cancelled, like you were offside. We yep. went the footage, so the game still rolls. They just cancelled. So yep. I think we just got to get a better system in place and yep. then get used to being able to change decisions. And coaches talk about the performance in big moments,
0: how we perform in key moments. That, that let us down, or that was the difference today. I guess the AFL for these key moments, there's some improvements there. Speaking about big moments, how did you watch the Matildas penalty shootout, Scott?
1: I was on the couch at home, yeah, um, with the kids. No, the kids had went down. They were asleep. Okay, yeah, which was fantastic. They had a big day at local footy. So yeah, but yeah, the pressure of that, like step up, whistle goes, the stadium. That is unbelievable. Like that is just, I'd be shaking. Would you be shaking oh, in that moment? I think that's what kept me glued to watching it. it. Was like I just wanted to see the body language of every person. And yep. the the goalkeeper for Australia when she saved it. Yeah, and then Mackenzie gets up, Arnold. Yeah, Mackenzie Arnold gets up. Kick it, we win. Yeah. Hits yeah. post. And then now it's like just go back into goals and save another one for us. Which yeah. I like imagine that like mentality or mindset shift or sports psychology if you, would, if you would like. Like how do you stay in the moment? And yeah, I think it was Mary Fowler just absolutely Crashed punished it. a ball. Like that. she hit that so hard. It was like everyone else was playing with like a softball and then yep. she rocketed it through. I just love seeing um, like Sam Kerr when she walked up. It was yep. almost like this is there's no goal in there. The she's just going to punish this through. Like, so are just, you
0: observing this sort of their body language in the moment and sort yeah. of trying to yeah.
1: – Oh, I not, I'm not trying to analyse or anything, but I was just interested to see how confident people looked in their face and, yep. you know, even the one run-up where the the girl like half stopped and then kicked it and then, yep. you know, everyone was going crazy. And then the coaches were hilarious. Like the the um, opposition coach was like standing at the back of the box like almost hiding and the Aussies were all arm in arm. Yeah. And I know people were saying like imagine having that in AFL. Like if there was – a draw yep. during the home and away season. Yep. Put your three best goal kickers out there, 35 metres out in front, go for it. Be clutch. I think it, that would add such a cool, exciting element. Like, I get you don't want it, that's how it's to be decided, but tell me everyone wasn't glued oh. to that. Like, the first quarter of Melbourne Carlton. Everyone in the stadium had basically their heads down or their heads looking back for TVs. Yeah, That's how exciting it was.
0: Extraordinary experience for those people, and the bars were packed. I mean, I had some vision of some, um, some mates in an MCG bar just going absolutely bananas with each sort of uh, Matilda's goal, capturing the hearts and minds of the country. And soccer, interesting because, I mean, it feels like around you know, these World Cups, the popularity does absolutely explode. Whether that's going to be a challenge for the AFL and rugby more broadly, I think um, that'll be interesting. I know. That my son and my daughter, nine and seven, the seven-year-old daughter,
1: she couldn't watch. She had a blanket over
0: her, over her face. She's Dad, I can't watch. This is too yeah. stressful. I think
1: it's great too for the culture of sport, like as in the kids watching the Aussies, and you just support no matter who it is. You're yep. supporting. I feel like the the Matildas have like this is is, is exploded yes. for them. Like seven and a half million people watching a game. Yeah, um, their junior pathways in soccer, as you said, I've got a six and a four-year-old. They're amazing. Like you go down there, you take them to soccer or whatever, and the way they run their programs—it's a bit of a sleeping giant in our country. The participation levels of soccer and agree. Now I think it's up to Australia and how you capitalize on the back of all this momentum to try and push this up through our pathways and um, make the A League stronger or whatever it is, because it is an unreal sport to watch. And a lot of our AFL coaches, first thing they do, season ends, where do they go? Over to soccer clubs.
0: Mm. Learn from
1: them. Team defense, offense, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been unreal.
0: A um, speaking of pressure moments, did you see Timmy English for the Bulldogs um, dash I, out? Of... I did, I did. <laughs> what would happen if one of your Darcy Cameron picked up the ball to kick out of a fullback um, needing to kick a goal to win the game, basically in that last minute? You'd say Darcy put the ball yeah, out.
1: <laughs> yeah. What? I, I feel like our team would have a bit of fun with it if Darcy had have done that. Yeah. Come out of fullback. Yeah. Um, we would love it if you had a bounce, but. It's sort of funny because Tim English is actually a great kick. A great kick. Mm. So when it happened, I was almost like, "Is this? have they trained this? Is this set up? Um, took a bounce. And then he actually took the guy on. on. And he actually got back through the middle. Yep. Yeah, so I thought he going to dart one up the middle. But, yeah, that was just, I feel like, pressure. You, they probably don't know there was only like 15, 16 seconds to go.
0: Or whoever can't have, got, They must have known.
1: Whoever was closest, yeah. though, you know what I mean? Like, just grab it. Because you're not going to grab it. Wait who's supposed to kick in here, seconds are counting down, throwing the ball, whoever grabs it, just go. And they obviously have faith in him as a yeah, kicker. Yeah, absolutely. So, but how
0: much just, do you train the last minute or two? Like if I said, well, you must call it something, a two-minute yeah. play or whatever it is, when you go into that mode, how much do you train that we need to score at all costs here in the next 30
1: seconds? What yeah. is that? Oh, yeah, we train it flat out. Like every, how,
0: often? how often is flat out?
1: Oh, once a week. So most of our main trainings finish with like a two minute scenario, yeah. Base play up or down, so it's like, yeah, everyone's got these funny names for what You see, like these cards go up that are, yeah, like ice cubes yeah, or bowl of noodles, yeah, whatever. It's just sort of like, yeah, anchor. It's, well, you're either trying to win or you're trying to save. Yeah. So, there's race the two. Car. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, race car, let's go fast. Like it's not that hard to pick up when you're the opposition.
0: <laughs> you may um, as
1: well just say fast. Yeah. Well, we'll if slow. we're yeah we're winning by three points and you're down by three points thirty seconds to go, I know you're going fast and you yep. know we're going slow. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you so, get so we, the bowl of noodles, like that. too noodles. Maybe it's trying to confuse the players out there to get caught up in the signs. But Ugh. yeah, so we train those scenarios like you know you've got to kick in. 30 seconds to go, how quickly can we get to the other end of the ground? Whether Do we yeah. go straight up the middle? Or do you go out wide first, then transfer it back to the middle? Yeah, Up by 30 seconds, you've got the ball. 60 metres out, do you take the shot or do you find the short? Yeah, All these scenarios that you go through, and you just try and train, and yeah, you make mistakes all the time when we do it, but yep. you're just trying to train then educate, learn, how do we do it better, how yep. do we eat some time off the clock, because seconds are so important in footy.
0: Yep. Hey, uh, Damien Harwick, you expect to be announced as coach of the Gold Coast. How big a win is that for the Suns, do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I think that's... Well, you're getting probably the form coach of the last 10 years mm. to your club which is amazing and then I think he'll bring players attract players hopefully their well, their retention's really good up there yep. now I think there's a few players left early days but their retention's great and yeah he's going to be awesome I heard Tommy Lynch say if sort of if anyone can get them going in the yep. interfinals, it's going to be dimmer. So yep. it's exciting. Hey, Scotty, a lot of talk about the
0: balls at the moment. And I see um, Jeremy Cameron, every time he has a said shot, he tries to squeeze the ball in for like an accordion from um, either side and the discussion around sort of whether they're a bit more pointy or too hard or something like that. The Ben and Harry podcast, which is doing great things for listener, um, of course, Harry Mackay and Ben Mackay, they spoke about this.
1: The biggest thing the AFL needs to fix, they need to find something That just, or Sharon needs to fix, is that there has to be just a a tool or a device that just gets the balls in shape and gets them kicked in. So that should just be, you should be able to repeatedly get the same footy in the same shape every time. Like the NFL, they have it in there. You should be able to do it. There's so much discrepancy in the balls, it's ridiculous. This has been an issue for ages that you sort of just parked. Yeah. But uh, one thing that could just fix it straight away is every week you get dropped off the game balls. So, us versus Brisbane this week, you get dropped them off. And you use them for your for your training session. So you keep them way. in and you're responsible to bring your six balls back in and Brisbane can bring theirs in. There's the Macca sign, they're all new, and they're kicked in a little bit because they are right. You get a brand new pill and you warm up with kicked-in footies. Yep. So that's why Jeremy Cameron's always squeezing it because you don't train with those balls ever. So, yeah, I think it's a simple fix. Just drop the footies off at the clubs or whatever and you're responsible to bring them back to the game day, warm up with them, whatever it is. So, yeah, because it is a big issue. And I know for us, whatever we can, new to replicate – kicking those balls because for the first 10 minutes of a game they only go about 40 metres until mm. they get kicked in and then they're sweet they do hurt my foot when I occasionally
0: get to... bruise foot. I find them quite hard. Hey, uh, Scotty, you've been magnificent. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the second episode of the Jock and Journo Show. Let's see if we can drag Buzzy Maynard uh, in front of one of these mics next week. Uh, Scotty, have a great week, mate. Good luck at the weekends. Thanks, mate. Thanks for, for the show. Friday night massive game against the Brisbane Lions. I'm Jay Clark. He's Scotty Penderbury. We'll see you next time. Cheers.
1: listener